Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Today we will be opening up the Salt and Light Treasure Vault and pulling out some of our favorite conversations from early 2016. We begin by speaking with children's author and mom, Carissa Douglas, about her new book to teach kids about the Sacrament of Reconciliation. And we also meet singer-songwriter Val Lamar Jansen. In our second half hour, we speak with Archbishop Richard Smith of Edmonton about assisted suicide and euthanasia. And we end the program by catching up with singer-songwriter Tom Booth. We begin now with teaching our kids about confession. If you're a parent trying to teach your kids all the important things in life, chances are that teaching them about the faith is also right up there on your list. And it's not easy to teach our kids about things that we ourselves are trying to figure out. And so it's important to know that we are not alone. There are tons of resources out there to help you. And that's what motivated wife, mother, and children's author, Carissa Douglas, to begin writing. For one, to help her own kids, but also to help parents like you. Carissa has written three books, I Go to Jesus, which is about the Eucharist and Eucharistic Adoration, A Gift of Myself, which is a little bit of an introduction to theology of the body and marriage and and vocations, and her latest, All Things New, is about confession. And so I am happy to have Carissa Douglas back on our program. Carissa, welcome back to the Salt and Light Hour. Hi, it's happy to be here. Okay, so just before we go, how many kids do we have yet? So we are expecting number 11 to arrive in a couple months. So you and Patrick are having... You've had 10, and number 11 is on the way. We do, yep, and they're all 13 and under. That's and for the great. first time, we're, we're going to experience having five children, ages three and under, for a little while. That's right, because <laughs> the last two, number nine and 10, are twins. Yeah, they were a two first, so <laughs> we kind of doubled up. That's, that's great. So um, I, I, I presume that, that your household is busy, um, lively, lots Very. going on. So why did you start writing? Um, as you said, I, I saw that there was a little bit of a void in terms of books for children that are very um, beautiful and Catholic and rich, but also really fun and silly. And, right. and these ones rhyme, and they're, they're kind yes. of like a VeggieTales style, but so embedded in the Catholic faith. And these are they're based on your, on your kids? Yes, that's right. Because I figured... Um, one of the greatest minorities in our day would be a large family with this many <laughs> yes. kids. So I thought, how wonderful to, to display how a large family functions and how they're able to live out their faith. Right. Can I ask you a little bit about that? I, I wasn't planning on, sure. but since, since I mean, it, I'm sure that there were a lot of listeners going like, 11 kids, oh my God. <laughs> I mean, do you, do you ever get, I mean, I, I don't want, I mean, I don't, about negative comments, I'm sure you maybe, maybe get, but or, you know, the comments, or Patrick mm-hmm. might get comments like, oh, my God, how can you have so many kids? Or we can't do. you, you know, figure out how to take the pill? Or, or you know, those <laughs> right, dumb right. things that people say. And for the most part, um, people are generally just, I think they're just too dumbstruck in, yeah. <laughs> in the moment. Yeah. Like, they, they're counting and trying to figure out things in their heads to make a comment. But yes. um, when they, in the few times, and they are very few times that we've actually received somewhat negative comments, we're, we're pretty... We're pretty good at addressing those. Um, one time we were <laughs> we were faced with a woman in a church because I had right. just attended mass and we were doing a, a book signing, and so it was very unexpected. I think in that context, and she just said, "Have you figured out what causes it?" And yeah. I just kind of laughed and said, "Well, obvious, 
obviously we're experts at this. And so she kind of laughed. And, but most of the time I find that when people make those comments, it's because there's oftentimes a struggle within themselves. Yeah. And, um, a lot of moms, like when they say, Oh, you have your hands full. Mm -hmm. I'll say yes, but it's, it's the best handful ever. There's such blessings. And sometimes it changes their tone and they'll admit that really they would have liked to have had more themselves or, their husbands didn't care about it or think about it or they were worried about finances. So it's, it's a good, actually, it's a good witness and a good conversation starter. Yeah, it is. It is. And, and I find that the, the funny thing is that the couples who are really faithful and committed and know about church teaching who decide to have large families are the ones who, in fact, could be planning better because they know about natural family planning. And so, right. it, so clearly it's a choice that you're making and it's not, it's true. you know. And just, sometimes I, I'll bring that to their attention because sometimes I'm like, you know, None of our children were just kind of oops, or yeah, you know, they were all, and they were all celebrated. And, and in my case, actually, it's, it goes a little bit further because I, I have five little ones in heaven uh-huh. because um, without uh, special extra support or progesterone support, I lose my children. And so, right. I mean, it's not about it's not about trying to prevent little ones from coming. It's actually going the extra mile to ensure yeah. that they, they arrive here safely. Yeah, it's true, and that, I think, is more often the case than the, than the opposite. Um, why? You've written three books, and I'm sure that there's tons more on the way, but why did you start with those three topics, Eucharistic Adoration, um, Theology of the mm-hmm. Body, which is you know huge, and then now Confession? Um, it's, it's interesting because uh, a lot of times they're just they're themes that are laid on my heart uh-huh. in the moment, and they come up with our children. And, and I, I think with the first book I had found, um, when I would walk into a church, there was a family who lived across the street, and their children would just sometimes just be there. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I saw how beautiful that relationship was that they were able to form just from having this, this encounter with Christ in a very real and natural way. And right. so I think at that point I, I felt really strongly that I wanted to share this, this message with more people. And also it, it comes up when, when I'm faced sometimes with the way that our culture is going. If I see a specific, right. um, I guess, endangerment to our children in the schools or elsewhere, I, I think one of the best ways to respond is through this ministry. Because um, yeah. I figure it's, our kids are facing a lot of things nowadays, and one of the best things you can do is, is help them establish their relationship with Christ at a young age so that no matter what they're being told or having thrown at them, They'll have their own anchor. Mm-hmm. Um, That's true. Now, I, I guess confession is also very appropriate with the year of mercy, because the book true, is not just yes. about confession, but also about responding to God's mercy. That's right. And it's called, like, anytime I write a book, I realize that I'm not just writing to the children, but to the, the parents who are going to have yeah. to read them over and over again yes. <laughs> to their children. And yes. unfortunately, a lot in my generation um, are Catholic more so by name. Yeah. and possibly a two-Sunday-a-year type of Catholics. And so I realize this is a way to reach them as well. And so with this book in particular, the one on confession, I was actually thinking a lot about the parents and uh-huh. about um, how, how they need to find their joy and, and revisit that sacrament mm-hmm. as well. So it's, it's also to help even grandparents who are yeah. trying to get their children to go back to church or return to the faith. I figure we can't force them to listen to Scott Hahn or all these amazing theologians, but their kids are pretty good at convincing them to read something. And so I thought this is a beautiful way to plant seeds and to just help them to see that they're never too far. And so even the end of the book is is actually more than an open invitation to 
the older crew. It's true. It's the grandfather or the older man. That's um, right. That's very interesting that you that you say that because I find specifically with confession, adults, a lot of adults have issues and and, and difficulty, yeah. and and we don't get it. So. So how, what would you suggest for a parent that's even struggling him or herself with this how, to teach it to their kids? What's like the one or two things that you would say where you would start? Well, um, just start with the understanding that, that confession is a gift and not something to be afraid of. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, it's easy to say that, but and people might think, oh, I'm not really afraid. But I think deep in our hearts, oftentimes we are. Yeah. Even, even people that faithfully yes, they are. Uh, um, take part of that sacrament. Mm-hmm. We we have a fear of it too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not easy, and so I think part of it is just really trusting in the abundance of God's mercy. Yes, really believing that that it's something that is completely can strip away your sins and and make you new. Yeah, something good to keep in mind this year of mercy. Um, last I spoke to you, uh, you were just starting with the first book, and now you're, you've got a website and a blog and you're speaking at conferences and right, yeah. there's going to be book, hard co- you know, the, 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 the books toddlers can chew on. Yes, uh, I, I, love, on yeah. <laughs> I love that. So, so tell me about that. So why, I mean, I understand why you want to do books for toddlers and you just told me that you wanted to do, that you're also doing books for adolescents. Yes, yes. Um, I think I'm realizing um, as long as I'm kind of open to wherever the Spirit's leading us, then it really, he's taking us up on that. Right. <laughs> so so we have a ministry. I mean, the blogging is really, and really to um, spread hope, I guess, and, mm-hmm. and joy um, to other people that are parenting yeah. their children and trying to raise them in the faith and trying to figure out how, how what that looks like and mm-hmm. how to do that. So um, the blog is really a ministry almost to other parents just to say you're not alone and that right. you can find joy and sanctification in this this huge vocation <laughs> that you've been given. Yeah. And the others, um, as my kids are starting to get older, yeah. Again, I'm I'm kind of looking for for good literature for them. And they loved Chronicles of Narnia, yep. they loved Lord of the Rings and things like that and, and I love them too. I think those are wonderful yeah. classics. Um but I was also hoping well maybe we can we can also Add to this with some some literature that's very Catholic and explicitly Catholic. You know, it speaks of the sacraments and just of this the Catholic culture, um, but goes on incredible adventures as well that really get mm-hmm. kids excited. So our next step for the little Douglings is the older version, which uh-huh. would be again similar to that the market for um, the Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah, um, but with the older little Douglings. Um, going exploring and finding some interesting things. Fun. Yeah, lots of adventure. Good, <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. So um, lots to, to keep our eyes open for. Um, people want to find out more, they can go to your website, littledouglings.com, and I'll, I'll remind people about that a little later. But thank you, Carissa, for sharing this. I'm glad that you, you contacted me with the new book, and, and now I'm curious about all these preteen and teen books. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't forget to share them with us so we can let other people know as well. I will for sure. Thanks. You can pay All right. Good to talk to you. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Carissa Douglas is the wife of Patrick and the mother of 11 children. She's the author of the Little Douglings series for Catholic children. She's also the author of Catholic In and Out of Season, a blog for Catholic families. You can book her for your next conference or parish event and find out more at their website, as I said, littledouglings.com. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Valimar Jansen, with a song that we all know very well. The Cry of the Poor by John Foley. 
That was Valdemar Jansen with The Cry of the Poor from her album, Spirit and Soul. Now, once you hear Valdemar Jansen's voice, it's not easy to forget. Valdemar Jansen is a singer, composer, and inspirational and catechetical speaker. Since 2003, she's released eight albums, and the latest one is Spirit and Soul, which we've been listening to. It's a collection of popular contemporary songs from fellow spirit and song composers, but sung with Valimar's signature style. And I am very happy to have Valimar on our program with us. Valimar, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you so much. It's good to be with you. So the question I, the first question I always ask people the first time they're on the show is, what was it like growing up? Where did you grow up? What was it like growing up? I grew up in Alexandria, Louisiana. Okay. So I'm a Southern girl. Yeah. Even though now I'm a Southern California girl. Oh, nice. <laughs> I have to it's say warmer that there. I lived yeah. in California so long. Yeah. So, but I grew up in the South. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a uh, big family, Catholic family? Actually, I grew up in, in Alexandria, Louisiana. Yeah. There is a mixture of Baptists and yeah. Protestants and Catholics. As a matter of fact, some people refer to that mixture as Catholic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nice. <laughs> so I grew up on the in the Baptist side of okay. my family. Yeah. Always looking over the fence at what my cousins were doing and wanting to know more and more about what it meant to be Catholic. Okay. And and then when I was, but I, as a little girl in a Baptist family. Baptist side of the family, I was told, yeah. stop having dreams about Mary, you're Baptist. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. I used to have um, just dreams and always being called to find out more about the Catholic Church. And then when I became old enough and moved out 
you know, was in graduate school, I could discover for myself, yeah. which I did. And, and when I went to my first Mass, I knew I was home. Wow, that is so interesting because, um, so some of your family, so your, your immediate family was Baptist, but you had cousins or other family members that were not Catholic, that, sorry, that were not Baptist, that were Catholic. Right. And there was no, so what was your immediate family, your Baptist family, very faithful? You went to church every Sunday, that sort oh, of? Oh, my goodness. Yes? No, not just every Sunday. Oh, yeah? There was at least two times a week. At really, least. yeah. We had to go every Wednesday night for, for Bible study. Meetings. Yeah, okay, prayer meetings, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then on Sundays, we basically lived in church. Really? And Sunday belonged to the Lord, so we had... Um, Sunday school in the morning, and then worship service, a devotional service, uh-huh. then worship service. Then you would go home, and on one Sunday a month, you'd change your clothes and go back to church, and then you'd be assigned where to go to work. Really? So we went out to do the works nice. of, the, of what, what I now know are the corporal works of mercy. So we would go to retirement homes, and we'd wash clothes and clean up, and we would take care of the people. We would go to... Um, mental health institutions, and we would take care of the people and cook and clean up and sing songs. And so it, I, I grew up knowing that it's not just yeah. having the Word of God in your mouth, but actually putting the Word of God in your working hand. What a, what a great uh, example. Maybe all Catholic churches should be doing that, too. Um, <laughs> was, it, was your family, was your household a musical household as well? Very much so. Yeah. Um, my mother was the, the daughter of a Baptist pastor. Yeah. So she was. I was the daughter of the daughter of a Baptist pastor. Yeah. So yeah. It was. It, we couldn't even eat dinner until we went around the table, and we each had to say what our scripture was for oh the day. Oh my gosh! Really. And then during dinner we would. Then my mother would say grace. Then during dinner we would discuss how we used that scripture during the day, and then after dinner when it was time to pick up the dishes to go and wash, it, there was always a song, Well, I've been so busy working right. for my Jesus. And we'd get up, and, you know, and it was in four parts. So every night after the meal, there was a song that later led us from the table to the kitchen. So singing was something that happened in my home spontaneously. Wow. My mother had, was in the choir. She was... Um, had a Kalalatura soprano voice, yeah, and so she was a soloist, and and so I grew up kind of admiring my mother and as a storyteller because she was the storyteller of the family, uh-huh. and she was a singer. Nice. So there was a lot of music in our house. Yeah. Now, did you have any formal training in music? I did. I did my undergraduate work. Uh, I started off at Howard University uh-huh. in Washington D.C., and then I got caught up in a. a producer from Switzerland came to Howard University to cast the first, uh, the European premiere of the musical Raisin. Okay. And so I went to Europe as a student and did my work at Howard University as a student. But then I stayed in Europe and worked doing American musicals for a couple of years. Okay. Moved back to the U.S. and finished my degree in theater and musical theater in Southern California. Okay, I was going to ask you about being a musical theater performer as well, but I'm interested in what was happening in your faith life, because at the same time, were you exploring entering the Catholic Church? I didn't explore entering to the Catholic Church until I was in graduate school. Okay. Yeah, and I was sitting on campus reading 
because I like to sit outside. You know, when you're in a master's PhD program, it's like, oh, yeah, 3,000 yeah. pages a yeah. uh, semester. And I was reading, and I saw a priest going across campus, and he had on, like, this burlap and fur. And so I followed. I packed up my books, followed. And then he went down to the lagoon and did the reenactment of John the Baptist oh baptizing Jesus. Really? And then he invited us all to come to the Catholic Mass. He said, you don't have to be Catholic. You're invited to come and explore what we are doing as a Catholic Church. So I went, and that was my first Mass. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, was, he, it was kind of explaining the Mass as he went through it. And when we got to the Eucharist, I knew I was home. That's when amazing. I understood for the yeah. first time what it meant, the difference between the Holy Eucharist and taking communion the way yeah. that I did as a Baptist. Amazing. And I knew that I was home. And from th- from there, the next Monday morning, I went that very next morning, signed up for RCIA. Wow. That's what a, how I came to the Catholic Church. Yeah, what a gift, to uh, that it was a gift that you would understand it. I mean, that's not uh, for everyone. It is a gift. Um, did you, uh, you were studying musical theater. Did you ever think that you would be doing religious music as a professional as well? Or is I that did some, not. No? I did not. I was... Uh, planning to do professional secular theater. Yeah, 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 of course. <laughs> that was that was going to be my career to teach it, to do it, uh, to perform in it. And instead, I have discovered, as many of us do, that God's perfect plan for our <laughs> life is to allow all of those things we are passionate about yeah. to find a kind of intersection or yes. vortex yes. to be able to, to live out of that passion doing all of the things that I enjoy so much. Right. Uh, I love the Word of God. I have since I was a little four-and-a-half-year-old Baptist girl. Yeah. I fell in love with the Word of God and with music. So to be able to combine music, the Word of God, my faith, and drama yeah. to do what I do is, is just an amazing blessing that God has given to me. Amen. And do you, were you composing me? I guess you were composing as part of your studies, but when did you start writing what you would call sacred or religious music? I started writing sacred music in about 1994. Uh-huh. And I, um, that's when I married a wonderful cradle Catholic man. Right. Awesome man. Yeah. And we compose our uh, music together. Uh-huh. He was a music major I see. at the undergraduate school that we both we both graduated from the same school. Okay, um, I see. So and, you, uh, yeah. He he and I composed music together. So we started in 1994. Right. Amazing. And I guess do you still um cuz I'm the, I I found it interesting that this latest album with Spirit and Song, Spirit and Soul, which is a collection these are not your songs that you've chosen songs by other other composers that you know we all know some songs that we all know very well um why did you choose to to do an album of other people's songs well Oregon Catholic Press OCP approached me and said that there were a number of songs that they would like articulated in a different way okay so that these songs that were they were getting traction that uh-huh. people know them and I actually use some of them uh-huh. on the road. I do between 65 and 90 events a year. Yeah. Um, and so I use a lot of these songs on the road because they're familiar with people. Mm-hmm. And I'm a storyteller. I bring scripture to life. Mm-hmm. And I use the songs to either foreground the story or to reflect 
the scripture story. Right. And um, I like singing songs that people are familiar with. Right. Only they wanted me to bring the songs to life in in my own special way. Right. <laughs> you know, something that's that, that's unique to me and what and how yeah. I do. So I would take a song like um, "Alleluia, Love Is Alive." Yeah, by Steve Angersano. Yeah. And so, instead of putting it in three. It's a waltz. Da, yeah. da, 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 right. da. Yes. Instead, I got African drummers, and I put it in four. Uh-huh. And it gives it a different rhythm, and you hear those African drums. And so it just it, it allows me to put uh, my personality, my arrangement on the music in a way that I use it for the ministry that God has entrusted to me. Right. Yeah, no, and it's good for people to hear songs that they that they maybe have heard before or that they know from Mass, but to hear them in a new way gives them new life. Um, I think it's a great album. People can have it in my car and listening yeah. to it, um, and, and it's fun to sing along. Valimar, thank you for spending a little time with us this morning and sharing a little bit about what you do, and thank you for this music, and I'm hoping that there's more music to come and that we can have you back on the program sometime soon. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been such a joy and a blessing. You're very welcome. Valimar Jansen's new album, Spirit and Soul, is published by spiritandsong.com. You can find out more about Valimar at her website, valimar.com, and that's V A L. L-I-M-A-R, but I'm going to put that link on our site so you can find it easily. Here now is Valimar Jansen with Christ in Me Arise from her new album, Spirit and Soul. Christ in me arise And dispel all the darkness Christ in me With your power and your strength Christ in me pour out Your blessing and healing Arise in me and I shall rise with you Christ in me We're listening to Val Lamar Jansen with Christ in Me Arise from her album Spirit and Soul. This is a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Check out our website at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Now, as many of you know, because we have been speaking about this in this program, the Canadian Criminal Code is being amended to include what they're calling assisted death. And now, that is important, of course, but the issues of suffering and, and preparing for death are, are, are issues that touch all of us. And the Church 
tells us how we should respond as followers of Jesus Christ. And uh, the Archdiocese of Edmonton, under the leadership of Archbishop Richard Smith, is uh, undertaking a special initiative to help us explore deeply our Catholic stance against assisted suicide and euthanasia. And so I'm very happy to welcome Archbishop Richard Smith to the Salt and Light Hour. Bishop, welcome. Glad to be with you. Thanks, Deacon Pedro. So, um, briefly, and I know you're not a legal expert, but briefly, what what are the changes that are being made to the criminal code? Well, it was um, well over a year ago now that our Supreme Court of Canada mandated uh, changes to the criminal code for persons that they say are, first of all, competent. They're suffering from what they call an irremediable uh, condition. Mm-hmm. Uh, suffering that's intolerable to them. And for persons in such situations, uh, the Supreme Court says there should be a right for these people to access assisted suicide and even euthanasia, and mandated the federal government to come up with legislation to reflect that change in the law. Mm -hmm. And so um, recently, in February, the federal government asked for a little bit of extra time beyond what the Supreme Court had given them to come up with legislation. So they're supposed to come up with something uh, by June of this year. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, to help prepare for that at the provincial levels, uh, the governments are coming up with regulations to direct how this will be uh, delivered um, in in the respective jurisdictions. So that's uh, that's where where we are right now. We're waiting for the legislation, uh, waiting to see what provincial regulations uh, might look like. But that does not mean, of course, that we've been silent on this. No. And the church has been acting on a number of different fronts, yeah. uh, encouraging our people to reach out to the federal government, to members of parliament, also to provincial government, to the MLAs, to make yes. sure that they understand our stance. That this is morally wrong in every circumstance. Yes. Yes, and um, we need to be standing up uh, also for conscience protection for healthcare oh, workers, yes, healthcare course. institutions that inevitably are going to feel under pressure uh, to deliver these services, even against um, their moral convictions. Right. So, so just that, le- sorry to interrupt, but just just to clarify, so are, is it safe to say that this is a, I mean, basically a done deal? The law is being changed. Assisted death is what they're calling it is coming to Canada. There's no turning back? Um, I think on the legal front, uh, that's probably uh, accurate, yeah. as that is to say. Um, what I do say to folks, though, is even if we um, are in a position where we need to accept this as a given, in no way do we accept it as a good, because yes. it isn't. Of course. And that leads to the initiative that's been happening here, or will be happening, yes. Uh, in the Archdiocese of Edmonton. The vague wording of the Supreme Court decision Mm -hmm. uh, sadly means that whatever legislation is uh, put in place in our country, over time is not going to be surviving, I don't think, charter challenges. And so what we will see is just increasing access uh, to these uh, two services, which which are obviously morally wrong. Mm -hmm. In that situation, question arises, how do we help our own people uh, remain strong, remain firm in their knowledge of the faith, in their knowledge of what the Church teaches, so that uh, regardless of what happens 
in the society around them, mm-hmm. they remain strong in the conviction that this is wrong and we will have no part of it. Right. The, the reason for the urgency of that question is that we have found that uh, many of our own people um, sometimes get confused about terminology, and that's not at all surprising because right. terminology is getting misused in order to advance these practices. Yes. So how can we reach out to our own people to help them understand the legal landscape right now, right. Uh, accurate understanding of terminology, and what is, in fact, the teaching of the Church? Right. Not just with respect to these particular services, but also with respect to some of the uh, concepts that revolve around them. So yeah. uh, freedom, autonomy, choice, suffering. Yes. For the last number of months, I've been holding small listening sessions throughout the Archdiocese to hear from people precisely their questions. What are their concerns? Mm-hmm. How can the Church answer those? And what people have found, that, that, well, so they've told me anyway, they found it helpful uh, to be able to have conversations with the Archbishop around such topics. And so the committee that was helping me with these particular listening sessions uh, strongly advised that we make this accessible more broadly across the archdiocese. Right. So that's what we're doing. Okay. So we that, will have yeah. five different sessions mm-hmm. in different points of the archdiocese, and each session will be based upon um, the most frequently posed questions, the ones that I encounter the most. So, for mm-hmm. example, what's this all about? Why are these practices wrong? Um, how does freedom enter into this, help us understand the Christian meaning of suffering? And then mm-hmm. finally, what can we do about all of this? Yeah. And so at each, at each of the sessions, we'll have um, some clinical input from a medical professional or, or legal input. Um, we'll have a witness presentation from people that are personally impacted by this or potentially. And then the faith dimension is something that, that I will offer following which we hope to open it up for a question and answer session with mm-hmm. me or with the other experts that are there. Okay, good. So these are these are live events on in five different parishes in the whole archdiocesan area, but you're right. also going to be webcasting it so that people who are not there can participate. For sure, and uh, we've uh, turned to yourselves as yes. Light uh, for help, and you've generously accepted to do so. Um yeah, th- this this is uh, an issue that impacts everyone, and mm-hmm. because of distances here in our archdiocese, not everyone can get to every session. No. And so, one way to make that accessible to folks is to have it uh, have each session live streamed. Right, they can access it over the computer, or maybe even gather in their local parishes where Absolutely. the parish can live stream it in. Absolutely, and we're going to make sure that all that information gets out. Um, uh, maybe in closing, if you can say, so you spoke, you've spoken about, I mean, people want to know at the very basic level that this is happening. Uh, I mean, that the law has changed that. Uh, and as you said, kind of what, what the words mean, what is, what, what is uh, words like freedom and autonomy and in the, in that context, um, euthanasia, people don't even know what that means uh, or assisted suicide versus assisted death um, that I'm not even sure what, what that means either. Um, but more importantly, what the church teaches. So maybe, uh, uh, I don't know, this might not be a fair uh, question for you, but in, in the little time that we have left, what would you say would be the essence? I mean, we know that life is sacred from conception to natural death. 
what more do you want to tell the people of Canada and even the people in the United States that are listening to this about the essence of the church teaching with regards to end-of-life issues? Well, there's actually two things that, that I'm really concerned about, uh, Deacon Pedro. The first is, is just that, that, that we do get reconfirmed in our conviction yeah. that God, of course, is the author of all life, and God has fashioned us, male and female, in his image and likeness. That mm-hmm. is to say, for relationship with him, and therein lies the basis of a human dignity that is inalienable and imposes a limit um, to... Um, to our own interrelationships, that is to say, uh, we must respect that dignity in every circumstance and can never fall into the presumption that we have the right to take another person's life or have the right to take our own life. The second thing, though, that that underlies this initiative is the question of how we form our mindset. Mm -hmm. Uh, We live in an increasingly secular, relativistic, individualistic society, um, and that creates a particular mindset that has been reflected in our Supreme Court decision, where uh, the individual rights, so-called rights, can be pursued without any concern for its impact on right. society. It's a, it's, it gives rise to a very false understanding of human autonomy. But our, we, today we're swimming in that kind of a, of a sea, mm-hmm. and it's very tempting, very easy to adopt that mindset as our own if we're not careful. But our mindset is shaped not by Supreme Court justices or by parliamentarians, but by the gospel, the teaching of the church. And this is the fundamental point that I want to keep alive in people's minds, not just through this series, but into the years ahead as we continue to face um, continuing threats to the dignity of life. Right. Okay, we're going to leave it there. But for our listeners, they can get all the information that they need for the live events. If they, if you are in the Archdiocese of Edmonton or in that area and you want to attend to one or all of these sessions at the Archdiocesan website, C-A-E-D-M, that's Catholic Archdiocese of Edmonton, C-A-E-D-M dot C-A. Um, and if you're not able to participate, if, or if you're not able to attend in person, all the sessions will be web-streamed live, and you will be able to watch that web stream also at that same website, and of course, and our website here at saltandlighttv.org. Um, as the Archbishop mentioned, I'm going to be in Edmonton for two weeks to help with this project, so I, I, I hope that we're going to be uh, transferring some of that information also through this uh, medium of radio th- on, in this program, the Salt and Light Hour. Um, So, Archbishop Richard Smith, thank you for taking a little bit of time to tell us about this important issue and uh, looking forward to spending some time with you next week. Most welcome, and we're looking forward to welcoming you. Once again, that was Archbishop Richard Smith of the Archdiocese of Edmonton. You can find out more about the Every Life Matters series at their website, C-A-E-D-M dot ca and you can send questions uh if that you want addressed at these sessions uh to directly to the archdiocese through their uh, twitter at caedm or look look up uh, look them up on facebook here now is our featured artist of the week tom booth with the jesus song from his album time stands still lord jesus christ son of god mercy on me have mercy on me Lord Jesus Christ Son of God have mercy on me have mercy on me 
Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, have mercy on me, Amen. That was Tom Booth with the Jesus song from his uh, latest album, Time Stands Still. Now, last time we had Tom Booth in the program, a few years ago, it was an introduction of Tom Booth to our Salt and Light Hour listeners. But I met Tom Booth, I don't know, maybe 12, 13 years ago at some Catholic conference. It might have been NCYC 2001, the National 
Catholic Youth Conference. Uh, I think that year it was in Indianapolis. And I remember because we were getting ready for World Youth Day 2002. Um, Tom is one of those Catholic singer songwriters who's been in ministry faithfully now for I'm going to say almost 25 years, but it's probably more than 25 years. Uh, I just don't want to make him feel old. He's been involved with many national initiatives, such as Life Teen and with Franciscan University and, uh, of course, NCYC and the National Catholic Conference on Youth Ministry. And it's very cool to have Tom back on the program. Tom Booth, welcome back to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you so very much. Thanks for having me back on. So good. So, I mean, there's there's lots to kind of catch up on, but I know that you've been doing a lot of speaking and parish missions. Of course, you use your music, but maybe that hasn't been your primary focus in the last ugh, decade. Well, you know what's happened is the music has found its rightful place. Um, yeah. As you mentioned, I've been at this a while, to by the yes. grace of God, and it's actually been 30 years. <laughs> oh, my. Okay, well, that's okay. You said it. Thanks be to God. Yes. Thanks be to God. Amen. Making you know? a living. And what's happened all oh, these last 12 years yeah. um, is really, a, I wouldn't say so much a change. Well, in some ways, it's a radical change, but a refocus of what I'm about, and that it really isn't the music. I mean, I love music. I express my faith through music. I share my faith through music. Yeah. But the message isn't the music. It's the gospel. Right. And prayer, especially prayer and contemplation, have just okay. taken a really prime prime place in my heart and life. And the music somehow has just found its rightful place. So doing parish missions or mm-hmm. retreats or conferences, really sharing, hopefully, from a deeper well, and the music is certainly a part of that presentation. Right. Uh, but it, I think, you know, when you're a young person and you're playing guitar, writing songs, you think, oh, it's, it's these songs. And yeah. You know, that's what I'm doing. There really isn't it. Yeah. It's just the vehicle. Yeah, uh, of course. So. Now, why why did you kind of sort of settle in those those themes of prayer and contemplation? You, are you hanging out with John Michael Talbot mm. too much? Maybe John Michael Tower probably got to me. <laughs> um, yeah, he's been my big brother for years. I was yes. 17 when I met him. He was 23. Yeah. And uh, I won't tell you what year that was. No, that's okay. Or something. <laughs> but, you know, in, um, in 2004, a lot of difficult things happened. Mm-hmm. And um, things in, in my parish, and especially things in my personal life with my family and my best friend of my father and a lot of a lot of people I knew and loved passed away mm-hmm. in a very short amount of time I think uh, Deacon Pedro I think it was five people died in two years oh my very God. near and dear wow. to me and so I was at a monastery actually mm-hmm. and um, I had this uh, I don't know how to say it a mystical experience this yeah this deep awareness of God this this sent almost like Noah in the ark to oh, yeah. radically reshape my life as best I could and make a way and kind of clearing out the cave of the heart to allow him in a deeper way. And it just changed how I thought of music, how I shared the gospel. Actually, I stopped writing music for a while. Wow. So it was, uh, you know, our conversions is an ongoing process, and this was just a real deepening, and it's one of those really thick tree rings, you know, when you look Mm -hmm. at a tree, the life Mm -hmm. of the tree, you can see there was a drought at this year. You can see a lot of growth here, not much growth here. This this was a very deep 
tree ring yeah. in my faith life. Yeah, and it's those, it's, uh, I don't know if I should say sadly, because maybe gladly, but it's those, those, those sort of desert times or times of Egypt, is what my rabbi friend always calls it, that, that we need to go through those so that we can find that, those transformations, those uh, redemption moments. Um, That's beautiful. I, I love the prophet Hosea, the scripture... Yeah. The desert will lead you to your heart where I will speak. I know. Why? And that's exactly... (laughs) Yes. I know. know, We just went through Lent. Yes. That's a gift, but we have many Lents, right? Yes. Yes. You know, God wants to lead us to our hearts where He dwells. Why did Jesus say, the Father and I will make a home in you? Why did Jesus say, the kingdom of heaven is within? Yes. Why did St. Paul say that our lives are hidden with Christ in God? So there is this depth, there is this call to the inside. Yeah. And, you know, as a Catholic, we have this great tradition of contemplation and the monastics mm-hmm. and, you know, the desert fathers and mothers. And it, It's just a part of our faith. It's a tradition we have that maybe sometimes we don't look at. Absolutely, know. absolutely. And it's an important message, especially with the busyness here in, in North America and everybody's so consumed with doing stuff and filling their schedules um, and not letting time stand still, which, which I love that that's the title of your album. Um, <laughs> Um, is that, would you say that this album came out of that experience 12 years Absolutely. ago? Absolutely. Yeah, I just so enjoyed talking with you, Pedro, because you just <laughs> connected so well. Exactly, that's it. Eternity in God. I, I was thinking, um, speaking with a mother who'd lost her son. Yeah. I, just, I was thinking, you know, in the Lord, in the Eucharist, time stands still. Yes. You know? We're, we're connected with those who have gone before us, and we're connected with the body of Christ, that mystical union in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. What a gift of our faith. And so I tried to express that in this song, Time Stands Still. That, yes. Uh, you know, they, some of our friends and family may have left us, but in the, in the blink of an eye, we'll be, with them, we'll be with them by the grace of God, and we'll not have missed anything. No. Yeah. It's beautiful. Now, would you say that all the songs in the album kind of capture some of that that essence? I think that might be the uh, the thread running through it. Yeah. But let's face it, I, I write in too many styles. That's why it's been very difficult to promote me <laughs> as an yes. artist because yeah. you know you heard the record. Yeah. I love bluegrass. There's a bluegrass. Yes, song I know. Yeah. About the right the slide guitar. There's a worship song, definitely like a modern worship song. So I'm kind of all over the place, but yeah. that's who I am. I'm, I'm okay with that now. <laughs> no, I like I like that. It's it sounds a little bit like the Tom you Tom Booth of 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 old that we love and 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 uh, and care for. You know, it's a little I bit. I appreciate of, you saying that. You know, the old days. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, well. No, I I of course love what you're doing, and I I hope that our listeners do too. Okay, Tom, that's all the time we have. Do you have, uh, I, I guess you're not, you, you said you're not actively writing albums and stuff, but anything coming down the pipes that we should keep our eyes open? Are you going to World Youth Day this year? I, I'm not going to World Youth Day, but I was so excited. I was preaching a mission, Yeah. and Mother Teresa is very important to me. I met her a few times. Oh, yeah. And she had a big part of to do with my inner healing years yeah. ago, and do you know that she's going to be canonized? Yes, of course you know that. in October, yeah. And do you know what day she's going to be canonized? On my birthday. Is September that your birthday? Because that is her feast day. That is her yeah. feast day. So I'm hoping oh, my beautiful. wife and I can go that to you Rome can go. say thank you to Mother. That would be and, a great... Uh, you know, oh, beautiful. But I'll tell you what. 
as Beautiful. you go out, there's a song on this new record. It's called More Than Conquerors. Yes. You know, we, we don't just barely get by, but by the grace of God, totally by the grace of God, we're more than conquerors. We are the beloved of God. So yes. Maybe your audience would want to hear that song. It's the old wild Tom Booth, you know, get out the guitar and crank it up. Absolutely. I'm still crazy. The rocker. Fan. That's good. Thank you. Um, we will play that song on the way out. Thank you, Tom. Great to talk to you. And uh, hopefully we'll bring you to Canada or our paths will cross somewhere. Sounds great. All God right. God bless you, God bless you too. All right. That was Tom Booth, our featured artist this week. You can learn more about Tom, find out about his speaking engagements to bring him to your parish, all that good stuff, how to buy his music at his website, tomboothmusic.com. Here now is Tom with that song that he uh, beautifully introduced, More Than Conquerors, from his album, Time Stand Still. listening to Tom Booth with More Than Conquerors from his album Time Stands Still. And that concludes this special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. Remember to visit our website saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Any comments, feedback, or questions, you can send them to me via Facebook or Twitter. Thank you for listening. I'm Deacon Pedro. I'm more than